I've mentioned this before, but I never really fully talk about the day that my father passed. A lot of people say, your father must have been gone, what, 32 years? Yes, he's been gone 32 years, but I still miss him, and I still think about him, and I still wonder what would have happened if he hadn't passed. I mean, I know that if he would have lived, he would have been in in his 90s, and he wouldn't have been able to go to move around to do the things that a father does, you know. Because my father was never, he never was the kind of guy that stayed put. He was always moving around. He always kept himself busy. Now, I remember a time when I was younger, I would follow him down into the garage. He had like a, a, a work area and he would build things. We had a garden in the back and then we had a vineyard that grew grapes. He was always building something. I watched him. I was fascinated because this is the same guy that just, he couldn't sit still. He always had to have done something. Even, okay, I get it. You know, I said to my father, you work five days a week in a factory and then one weekend or one Saturday, every Saturday he went to the nightclub. I never really saw him until, I never really saw him until, um, the next morning because he would leave for work at four in the afternoon on a Saturday and not come back home until about close to one to two in the morning. That's how dedicated he was to that job. But again, he had his first heart attack from that job. He was in his forties. Okay. That's young. Or any age for that matter is young. You can, you can get a heart attack at any age. It's the idea that, you know, my father never took good care of himself. He always put other, his family's needs ahead of him, his family's health ahead of him. And I said, Dad, you need to take care of yourself because we still need you. I still need you. I don't want you to leave. I want you to take very good care of yourself. My father never really listened. He did what he did. It was kind of like, if you tell him something, he didn't want to hear it. Dad, it's for your own good. We don't want you to go too soon. Mom, forget it, would fall apart. She wouldn't be able to take it. And I was always worried that when when my father had passed, that she would go in another year or so. The first three years when you lose someone, it's crucial because you have to watch out. How are they going to react? You know, my mother, again, couldn't let go of my father. And even to the day, even after he was gone for so many years, she still had a hard time letting go. And I said, Mom, you have to do this. You have to let go. If you don't let go, you're never going to get over it. You have to heal at some point. Now, again, time heals all wounds, but this was a long time. We'd go to funerals, or not funerals, we'd go to, we'd go to memorial services for him. Every year, there was a memorial service. I said, this is not healthy. And my father, if the situation was reversed and my mother had passed first, I think my father, it would have hurt a lot to lose his loved one, but he would have to go on. Why? Because when someone passes away, yes, it is going to hurt. 
And yes, you're gonna have that grief. For some people, they can get past it, and for others, not so much. Not so much. But you ask yourself this question. How do you handle it? How do you get through it? What do you do? When I when I look at when I look at how my father when he was diagnosed with cancer he didn't tell anybody. The doctors told him first he was in the hospital because he had an infection in his lungs so we thought he had pneumonia. When the when the doctor called up the house and told us your husband has cancer I remember that I remember exactly what happened there was a loud scream it was like oh my god no my, my mother was just all over the place this was the love of her life the love of her life ask yourself this is true love right because Again, they went through so many hardships together when they were younger and all throughout their life together. 34 years of marriage, ups and downs, struggling. They kept it together as a couple should. She didn't leave him, he didn't leave her through any of the harshest times. I admired that about the both of them. And I thought to myself, this was something that she couldn't take. She goes, how am I going to live without him? How? How am I going to go on? Because again, they were together bonded. It was like they were bonded at the hip, right? Because they did everything together. He provided for her, and then she took care of the house and us, and she did a phenomenal job. As I said, a woman's job is a lot harder than a man's. A woman does a lot more. You don't realize how much they do. You know, a lot of women, a lot of women may agree with me, and men may not agree with me. But men will tell you. Uh, some men believe, well, women don't do as much as, as as men do. Oh, yes, they do. They wear many hats. They're not only a career woman; they're a wife, a mother, a caregiver, a nurturer, a teacher. They're everything. They do so much. And in that time that when he was diagnosed, he thought we didn't know. He thought we didn't know. And then we thought he didn't know. It was like a, it was like it was like he thought we didn't know and then we thought he didn't know. It was like a back and forth thing, but the doctors had told him before when we went to see them in the hospital how we would react. Both of them cried. My mother grabbed my father. He's laying in bed. They had that moment together and they they hugged each other and they cried together. My father cried. It was the most beautiful thing to see that. That's true love right there. He cried, she cried. They held each other. And then when we came into the room, I tried not to cry. I was trying to be the brave one in the family because everybody else around me was falling apart. And I remember he only had stayed in the hospital for like a couple of days because he said I don't want to die in a hospital. I want to die if I have to die 
be surrounded by my family. I want my family surrounding me when I go. So he got his wish, right? It was hard being in the house knowing that he was in the room with my mother and it could go, he can go at any time. When I asked the nurses and the doctor, I said, how long does he have? They kept changing it. Six months, a year, three months. Six months to a year, but then they dropped it to three months because then now they said that they took more tests and found that the cancer had spread quickly. It was not just in his lungs, it was in his liver. It, it, it traveled all the way up to his brain. I was like, and a part of me was angry at that. I was angry at the doctors and it's like, you're not, you're not, you're, you're talking to us as if we need to understand what you're saying. You're saying that my father doesn't have that much time left on this earth. If you could have contained the cancer and gotten it before it had spread to the rest of his body, maybe he would have had a fighting chance. I was angry. My emotions were all over the place, and I said to myself, I don't want my father to die. He's too young. He was only in his 60s when he passed. That, to me, is young. That's young. He had a lot of things that he wanted to do in his life. He wanted to fulfill many things. He says, well, now that I'm retired, although technically he wasn't, he, the, the, the first two heart attacks, the one at the nightclub, they didn't want him anymore. So he, he left that job. Then in the factory, he had another heart attack in his 50s. They didn't want him back. So he had to retire. He didn't want to. He had to. You know, for health's sake. So then his friends, family friends, said, we'll get you a job working in a cashier. But he did that off the books because technically he was not supposed to work. But my father didn't want to stay in the house. He wanted to do something. He wanted to be there for other people. He wanted to help and give back to the people. That's what I admired about him, okay? So I kind of take after him in that sense. And I said to myself, now that we know, His whole demeanor changed. And I remember the one instant we were sitting out in the backyard. And I had my nephew with me at the time. My father was singing a song that was very morbid. It was like he was in another, he was already there going to that place in the sky. I said to dad, you have to fight. I need you. Now I was 21 when I lost my father, and to me, 21, to not have a male presence for that period of time, it was hard on me. I missed having him around. I was always looking for him, and again, I denied his death. I didn't believe that it happened. I will tell all of you, though, and I'm sure that you've gone through something similar. When you watch somebody die, it is painful and you will cry and all your emotions will come out. But at the same time, at the same time, it's the way he died was beautiful. There was no pain. He didn't suffer. If you suffer, then it's not beautiful. He didn't suffer. We had a, we had a nurse come in because they knew that he was going to die at any moment. Now they change it from three months to any day now. And I remember the night before, we were all sleeping in the same room. And I kept having the same dream. Because 
three years before, I had a premonition that he wasn't going to be around. And in the dreams that I had, I saw him already laid out. But we didn't know what the cause of death was. And I said, oh my God, please let this not be true. Please, why do I keep having the same dream? I kept having it. And I said, I want my father around for a long time because without him, how am I going to survive? But then I thought about my mother. My mother, again, her and him had a love that once death comes into the picture, it tears the both of them apart. And she had said, she had even said this, if I can remember correctly, I can't live without your father. Yes, you can. Because dad does not want to hear you talk like that. And God does not want to hear you talk like that. Do you think that I want him to go? No. I still needed him. I didn't have enough time with him. But I spent much time with him when I was a little girl. And I relished those moments and I cherished them and I had them close to my heart. And at the same time, I spent that time with him when I was a teenager, when we would go out together when he would make me feel like he will always be around, no matter what crisis, no matter what what type of situation I get into, he will be there to be kind of my rescuer, my hero, and he wasn't. Because when everyone said to me, you've come so far, and if you've lost so many people, what did you learn from your father? Well, I learned that in order for you to survive in this world, you have to take care of yourself. You have to look out for yourself, number one. Number one, look for out for yourself. Number two, you want to go out there and achieve the American dream, or any dream for that matter. You have to work your hardest and you have to climb that ladder. No matter how many times you fall, no matter how many times you make a mistake, no matter how many times you pick yourself up and you make it work. You do what you can. No one's going to help you. You're going to do this yourself. And you're going to prove to yourself, I can do this. When I look at my father, I saw him as a star in my book, not like a, quote, TV star. No. And again, how he felt about celebrities, they were people. That To him, again, he worked in a, in a diner that is friend-zoned. He was a cashier. Famous people walked in and out. Made small talk. That was it. That didn't phase him. They're just people making a living like everybody else. I said, good for you, Dad, because my dad was not starstruck. Yeah, he had a favorite actress that he fell back on. We used to watch old westerns back in the day. He was a big fan of John Wayne and and, and Clint Eastwood and all those big-time cowboy heroes of the day. But he was never starstruck. And again, my father, his work ethic I loved because, again, he put his family first. The work came second. And again, you think to yourself, okay, he had a heart attack in his 40s and he worked in a nightclub. A nightclub is stressful. And I remember the first time we went there. I went to see him as a little girl. There was a wedding going on at the same time. I had my first non-alcoholic drink. I watched my father in action. I thought, oh my God, he looked so good in a uniform. He was like really appealing. And But he made small talk. Every person that came in, even the famous people, treated them as people. Didn't bother them for an autograph, just sat there and broke bread with them, you know. And it got to be where I admired that. Because again, 
everywhere you go, in whatever area you live at, you're going to run into someone who's up there in the entertainment world. My father didn't see him as anything but a person doing a job. You have to treat them the same way you would be treated. Don't put them in the special category because, hey, they're up there. How do you think they got to be where they're at? Through hard work, right? But before that, they did ordinary jobs. And again, as I told all of you, people start late in life. They don't jump into it. When the time is right, that's when you do it. Hey, I myself can take that leap. And everyone's like, oh no, you're too old. Age is nothing but a number. It's all it is is a number. You know when people say, oh my God, I'm turning this age, or I'm turning this, it's a number for crying out loud. It's not gonna make you rethink twice about your career, where you wanna go. People start late in life. Look at the, the great billionaires, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, uh, Bill Gates. They all started late in life developing these companies. They started late and they had no education, no college education. They had smarts. That's what they had. They were smart intellectually. They, they read, they listened, they followed. They did whatever they could to make it. And they never gave up until they got to the top. When I look at my father, I didn't see him as just a man who worked in a factory or a man who worked in a nightclub. He was more than that to me. And then I think to myself, and then he got diagnosed with cancer, and he became a shell of a man. If he survived two heart attacks and every other illness that he went to in the hospital for, why couldn't he survive cancer? Because by then it was too, it was too far gone. And I looked at him and I thought, wow, here's a man that I admire and that I hope to God can follow in his footsteps. I was always proud of my father for everything that he accomplished. The life that he led from the time that he was a little boy. I told you, I have a picture. I will show you that picture and you'll understand what I'm talking about. It was during the Great Depression. Who's going to smile in the Great Depression? See, my father didn't show emotion, but you could see it in his eyes that he was not a happy little boy. Look what he wore. Look where they lived. Their education was that of a sixth grade education, primary school. They didn't go any further than that. And then when that earthquake hit and the whole village was destroyed, they all lived in a tent. Do you know how hard it is to raise a family in a tent? They got through it though. It was the harshest of times. And then when he was a young man, he was struggling, but he had to find a way by doing odd jobs, by doing whatever he could to survive. And then he was enlisted to fight in the Korean War. And he told the horror stories there of some of the, some of the soldiers, his best friends that he lost. Some of them survived and some of them didn't come out. Okay, he walked away without a scratch. He went through hell. But the day changed for him when he said, I met your mother. She was beautiful. She kept me going. She kept me going. She inspired me. She praised me. She was there for me. I said, Dad, you have yourself a good woman. There's not many women that will do that. They will say they will do that, and then they won't. When times got tough, Mom was there with you. Both of you were there for each other. They had a love story that if I could play it out on the big screen, I would, because it was so beautiful. 
they grew up together and they were in the same category as, hey, we're poor, we're in poverty, but it's not going to stop us from having the life we want. It's not going to stop us from having to go out there and become something or someone. And when he came here to America, he worked at a factory and he lived with his cousin in the city. They lived together at a place. Before he brought the rest of the family over, he worked at a factory making light bulbs. It was at the time, that's what it was known for now. It makes appliances, you know. And then the nightclub was in the city before it came over here when we moved here. And I was born 10 years later and then we moved here when I was two. Then he continued working in the nightclub. So he had all these years of experience. And his first cousin also worked with him in the nightclub. I have a picture of them together with someone famous. But again, he didn't see her as someone famous. He saw her as a woman doing the job. She came in, she sang, she was a famous singer. And and they they posed together. I have that picture with the autograph. I was like, oh my God. My father was not faced by that. And so how he treated her, he treated her with respect. But he knew that she did a job just like everybody else to put food on the table. If she was married and she had children, she supported them. That's how you see it as. That's how he saw them as people. And I look at my father and I thought there was a man that I truly loved. And a man that I, I want to emulate. He had a giving heart. And he, he worked so hard. He didn't let anyone or anything get to me. He was the first man, and I'm sure there were other men before him, who showed emotion. He showed emotion when my mother got sick. He showed emotion when my sister got into a car accident. He showed emotion when I got sick with a near infection. He showed emotion. He was not afraid to let his emotions out. Because again, society stems, hey, if you're a man, you're not allowed to show emotion. Well, my father broke that and said, yes, you are allowed to show emotion. What are you supposed to do, laugh when you see someone in pain? When you see someone dying, are you not supposed to show emotion? Yes, you are. When you show any type of emotion, it's strength. I've always said that to all of you. If you want to cry in front of me, cry in front of me. Don't hide your emotions from me. Show them. Because you know what? I will cry with you. I easily cry when I think about my parents. But someone said to me, if I ask you something personal, are you going to show your emotions? depends on what it is. Your parents, I get choked up when I talk about them because they're no longer. But getting back to, I watched my father die and the family was all around the room and he had, the nurse had given him a shot of morphine so that he wouldn't feel any pain. And he was breathing heavily. He kept looking up he kept looking up at God. God was waiting for him. God was waiting for him to be welcomed into his home. My mother was like looking at him and crying. And I was, I was not, I, I don't know what possessed me. I could not walk over there and tell him that I was going to miss him and that I was going to love him. And the nurse says, yes, you can. If you tell him that you love him and that you're going to take care of your mother and, and, and everything, he will hear it and he will know. He says, I, I looked at my father and I couldn't believe that it was him laying there, almost dying. The shock of me, I didn't want him, I didn't want him to go. 
I was, I was paralyzed. I couldn't make myself walk over there. I said, am I dreaming? Maybe, if, maybe I'll wake up and this will be a bad dream. And you will not be sick in that bed dying. And what the nurse had said to me, she said, I see your bravery. You're trying to be strong for this family. When in all honesty, they're the ones that should be strong for you. And that's okay for you to show emotion. It's okay for you to cry. So right now, I am crying, but you're not seeing it on the outside. You're seeing it on the inside. I didn't want to say goodbye. When you say goodbye to someone you love, it's final. And I didn't want to say goodbye. I wanted this to wake. I wanted him to get better. I wanted him to get better. I wanted him to wake up and, and, and be like it was before. I wasn't ready to let him go. Then I saw how my mother, she put her arms around him. She hugged him. She kissed him. She says, I love you, John. I love you. Well, she called him Yanni. I love you, Yanni. You know, I will always love you. I will never forget you. I felt so bad for my mother because she's saying goodbye to her better half. She's saying goodbye to the man that she created a life with. A man that she shared a life with, a man that she explored life with. And I said, oh my God, is this how it is when you get married? That's why I don't want the vow to be until death do us part. I know that that's going to happen. I don't want it to be in the vow. I don't want that. Because again, I have a hard time letting go. He's, again, been gone for 32 years, but I think about that time. And I have dreams about that, too. When I'm in the room, because it was their bedroom before I took it, 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 it was, I can remember, like, I can just picture myself where I was standing. Everybody was around the room saying their goodbyes. And when he let out his final breath and his eyes closed and he stopped breathing, my sister let out the loudest scream. And my nephew was sleeping in the next room and woke up. And when she brought him into the room, because I'm not sure if he knew what was going on, but I think he sensed it. He looked over, didn't see his, his grandfather moving, and he cried. And I was like, oh my God. I could not get myself to cry. The tears wouldn't come out. But the nurse said, your father knew. Your father knew that he loved you, that you loved him. Your father knew his how, but I couldn't even go over there. He knew, okay? The way he died, it was beautiful because there was no pain. If there was pain, it would be different, but I saw him die. It was like this peaceful ending to the pain that was in his body went up. His soul rose up. And the other thing I remember was when we went to say the final goodbyes, me and my mother, the nurse, had gone up. And I couldn't believe it. I walked into the room and I'm like, oh my God, Dad. Dad, please don't be gone. Please. It was... It was the most horrible thing to see the man that once could beat any other illness and couldn't fight this disease because the disease took him. I lost him. I lost my father. And the, and, and the nurse had said, go over there and tell him you love him. But it's too late. Go over there and tell him you love him. 
trust me. So I did. I went over there. Me and my mother were the only ones that witnessed this. Now, I said, I love you. I promise I will take care of mom. I will always have you in my heart. You will always be in my heart. And this is the thing that I got scared. He opened up his eyes and he looked over one last time. And I'm like, I thought maybe there was a miracle that I had said something and brought him back to life. She goes, no, that's his way of telling you he loves you. That's his way of telling you he heard you and he's, 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 he loves you. He loves you. That's his way. His final goodbye to you. But it was so surreal. I was my, I was paralyzed. I couldn't walk over to him. But I was scared. My emotions took the best of me. I remember the other time where they shielded me. They had me go into the kitchen because they didn't want me to see the image of my father coming down the stairs in a body bag. They said, you don't want to have that image. Because that's an image that you will never, ever ever forget it would be imprinted in your mind for many years to come so they took him out and when we went to the wake I broke down but when I went up to see him I couldn't cry I saw how they had him laid out and I thought my god he's handsome I can't believe he's gone I don't have a father anymore and for three years I denied his death for three years. That's how long it took me. I didn't believe that he was gone. I couldn't let go. And then I saw my mother. Now my mother, again, this is why when you lose someone, it's hard to let go. And even after many years that had passed, she still couldn't let go. She wore the ring that he gave her. Even though she was, they were, they were married. But not in the sense that, okay, I'm wearing his ring. I consider myself to be his wife. She didn't change anything. Yes, she was a widow. But she kept that ring to let people know, I am married. Okay. She was still known as Mrs. John Vasilakis. She kept it, right? But I saw her not wanting to live. When we were at the funeral, and it was an open funeral, and we were at the service, when it was time to say the final goodbye after the service ended, she didn't want to let go. I said, Mom, what are you doing? You can't go with him. No, I will not let you. I don't want you to go. I don't want you to go. I, can't, I cannot live without you. If you decide that this is worth, if, if you tell me you can't make it without him, what am I going to be doing here? You think I could take care of myself at the age of 21? I still need my mother. I still need you. Because you had said to me, and you had drilled this into my head from day one, even before, people die, life continues on. It's cycle, right? People will die in your life, people that meant something to you, but you have to continue on. It's very hard, though, because not everybody can let go. But again, you're not letting go. You have them in your heart. They're alive in your heart. They're alive wherever you go. They're with you in spirit. That's what you have to remember. But I couldn't. That I saw that she was starving herself. She wouldn't even eat. 
Mom, what are you doing? I'm not, I am not ready to go to another funeral. I told her that. I don't want you to go. You will make yourself better. I made a promise to dad before. He had said to me, I want you to take very good care of your mother. How would that look if you decide, I don't want to stay here anymore. I can't live without him. And you make yourself sick. Then I would have broken my promise to him that he would have looked at me differently. So please, mom, you can survive. We're here to help you. You're not alone. It would be different if, if, if she didn't have children and she was alone dealing with this. Like my aunt, when my uncle passed away, after a year later, my, my uncle passed away. See, now we couldn't grieve because it was coming too quick. Both men of the house passed away. My, my aunt and uncle didn't have children. So she was by herself dealing with the grief. And like my mother, she still couldn't get over the fact that she lost the love of her life, but she had to. You had to find a way to go on because what is the alternative? You're going to make yourself sick. What's that going to do? It's not going to bring him back. And I had said to my mother, we have these services for him. It's not helping. You're reliving the pain again. You have to let go. Keep the bad memories out. Keep the good memories in. You have them in your heart. No one can take that away from you. See, for me, it was surreal being in that room because I felt like it was in another dimension. I just couldn't believe that that was my father taking his last breath. I, I, he looked different to me. And for a while, I had amnesia. I said, this can't be my father. I denied it. And when he passed, a year after, I was trying to find him. And every place I went, I thought I'd saw him. But when I got closer, it wasn't him. And I thought... Am I going to get through this? See, when you love someone, and this is why I say true love, when you see the vows, until death do us part, that's very, very serious right there. You know what that tells me? That tells me that you really love this, the person you have in life, your husband, your wife. You love them so much you can't let them go, but you have to eventually. And in order for you to heal, in order for you to heal, you have to. But again, a lot of people heal and grieve differently. A lot of people can't get over it, but you have to. You can't stop living. You know, life can pass you by. Everybody could succeed and get ahead of you, and you're still stuck in the past. How is that going to look? How are you going to get yourself out? You need to remember this. They will always be with you in spirit. And again, I know that they can't be there with you physically, but they will be with you. Anywhere you go, any, anything you do, they're looking up at you right now. And they're seeing that you are living, you are going ahead with your life, you are succeeding. But see, with me, again, with my mother and father looking down at me, I still... I'm trying really hard to not let it get to me. See, I understand with all of you, you said you're lucky you have your parents. And that's what I said, develop a relationship with your parents. Don't fight with them. Don't put them down. Just take very good care of them. Because when they get to be sick and they have an illness, you step up to the plate and say, I'm going to take care of you because you did a phenomenal job raising me and taking care of me. Now it's my turn. You give back. You pay it forward and you give back. 
Your parents gave you life. Why did they give you life? Because they wanted children. They wanted to have a family. They wanted to have someone that they could teach, someone that they could nurture, someone that they could care for, someone that they can talk about life. Learn what it's like to be out in the real world. They taught you valuable lessons that you could apply so when you get to be their age or younger and you have children of your own you're going to take those same lessons and you're going to hear their voice in their head and you're going to be just like your parents and it's not a bad thing because a lot of people say you're like your mother i could see it and i'm like maybe i am the greatest thing for me is having a child and the greatest thing for me is teaching that child what my mother taught me what my father taught me it would be nice to have that part because i can be good at taking care of a child. I look at my nieces and nephews and I helped out with them. And of course, I spoiled them too. But see, with my own child, I can do good and teach them everything there is to know about life. But also have the knowledge that, hey, it would have been nice if, if my, both my parents were alive and they can, we can have a big family reunion. We get together with all our kids and we can have this celebration. It would have been nice, but unfortunately, it didn't happen. Life, again, can go very quickly. You can lose someone very quickly. If you say to yourself, I have to do what I have to do to survive in this world. But the teachings of my parents, I learned a lot. I feel alone right now. I do have emotions that get over. I can't get over the fact and I have accepted it, but there's a part of me that still wonders what would have happened if they hadn't passed. Would have lived to be in their 90s, but they would have been sick. They wouldn't have been able to get around, but it didn't matter because I would have been there to take care of them. I had said to my mother and father back in the day, you know, hey, if I become a medical doctor, you could be my patients. We joked around about that if I was to be a medical doctor. I wouldn't have minded. They're my parents. I love them. They've done, they've done so much for me. And I want to do so much for them. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. Life doesn't always go as planned. Life doesn't always turn out the way you want it to. There are surprises and there are crises and tragedies that you have to deal with. And the question is, are you going to be able to deal with them? Or are you going to give up your life and say, I can't? You can't. Your parents would not want you to take your own life. And you're taking your own life as a sin. I told you with my mother, after the funeral, when I came home, I had that bottle of poison. I was staring at it. A part of me wanted to do it because I really don't have anyone to fall back on. It was a time in my life where I just did not want to be alone. My family didn't understand. You know, they had each other. Me, I was by myself. And it was really hard. And I'm still dealing with it now. There are times when I have bad dreams and I think back to the time with my mother when she got sick. I saw the pain. See, the difference between when my father died and my mother, my mother did suffer a little bit and she died in a hospital that I didn't like. I felt responsible. I said, why didn't she die at home? She would have had peace. I mean, she was already on the verge of death and I didn't see it. I thought maybe I could be the hero, the savior and save her life. But for her, it was too much. Every time they tried to get her and her heart came back, it would stop again. And in the process, they broke her ribs. To me, that's very painful. She probably didn't feel it, but it sounds painful how they said it. And then when I look at the ring, I have the ring. The ring tells a story of how they met. 
It was beautiful. Again, it wasn't diamonds. Did you think that? Okay, what did dad give you? This is my wedding ring. The, the ruby. So it was a, a square cut ruby with diamonds. And I thought, oh my God, it's so beautiful. Then when I tried to put the ring on my finger, it was too big because my, my fingers are small. So, but I kept a part of her just like I kept a part of him. They're in my heart. And now they're together where they should be, right? But they're not here with me. The moral of the story is this. In, in, in life, if, you have, if you're lucky enough to have your parents, you spend time with them as much as you can. But when it's time for them to go, you have to let go. It, you may not be able to let go right away. But remember this. They are no longer suffering. In whatever illness they have, they're no longer in pain. Who wants to see someone suffer? I don't. It's, it's painful to watch someone go through pain. But again, with my father, it was, it was beautiful. It was sad, but it was beautiful because he had the one wish that he had. He had his family surrounded. My mother, not so much. The only one was me and my sister. No, no, the rest of the family couldn't even be there. They regretted it. I said, don't beat yourselves up over it. You couldn't have known. We didn't know it was a surprise. I was dreading it. And I still miss her to this day. But I know that they're both in my heart. I just have to find a way to go on. It's hard for me right now. That's why I need to have someone around me. Because the way I feel right now, I don't know. I'm afraid that those emotions are going to come back. And this time, I will carry them out. And I don't want that. So I'm going to end this this episode and just say the time that you spend with your parents is precious make time for them get to know them because one day they will be gone and how you handle it determines how you can get through life life is eternal forever god bless all of you take care